Well, good morning to all of you and uh, well, it's good to be back again and hope that uh, you have had a good week and it's good to see all of you again and I can see that Brian now is uh, on the, on, uh, back on uh, Discord, so which is good, uh, so I'm sure that you are, you are, you can hear better now. Uh, so, okay, uh, let's, let's begin this morning's sermon. So what I'm going to do today is basically I'm, I'm just going, going to wrap up the, the life of uh, this great prophet Elisha. Is part fifteen uh, is the is the final sermon on him, and in uh, our previous sermon, if you remember that, that we have seen that how Elisha his life, as we sum up the, the you know the, an assessment of his life, that how he he has been a great example of how a slave of the Lord should be, you know one of lifelong service right to the end. He he never had any retirement uh, age. He retired when he when he passed from this world. So that that was the kind of uh, mindset and, and, and attitude towards the service uh, as a slave of God. Uh, with, with his death and his barrier and so what I want to do today is to wrap up our study on the, on, on the life of this great prophet with one final sermon I, I thought that um, it's, it's worth our consideration because of a thought that came to my mind uh, just a couple of weeks ago as I was reflecting on Elisha's faith there you know that when, when I was thinking about the, the, the faith of the saints of the Old Testament Old Testament times that uh, it makes me wonder you see, that how, how, did, how did they manage to uh, keep their faith in in the Lord in in those very difficult circumstances which he, which we have seen, uh, many of of whom that uh, they 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 have given their lives in fact that uh, for for their faith, which uh you know thankfully that we 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 have not been asked to do so today, so I I really wonder as I was thinking about this I, I really wonder what was the secret, what was that secret that they have uh, to to such lifelong uh, faithful service to God right to the end. You know, I think it's good for us to, to, to learn from them so that we can walk in their steps of faith and glorify God and our Lord Jesus Christ as faithful servants today. So when we observe the faith of these saints, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I just can't help but to admire that their tenacity and their determination in serving the Lord. You know, it, it, it's, it's such great examples of, of uh, faithful service that we, we, we see from the scriptures. But how did Elisha and his faithful companions in the Old Testament Keep their faith in the Lord. That was the question that you know that keeps uh, cropping up in my mind, and also the other question that I I thought that, that is is worth looking at is, was it easy or difficult for them to be faithful to God, in those days? Yeah, so I thought that that might be something that I was a bit curious about. So that's why that it led me to do some investigation and hence the sermon today. Well, some people might think that uh well as far as the saints of the Old Testament are concerned, that it should have been easier for them to be faithful. Well, because they, they have seen the powerful display of God's might through the miraculous, uh, you know, the miraculous display uh, in, in, in biblical times. Well, if you think about this, you know, such awesome and unforgettable experiences should actually lead them to keep their faith in the Lord. Just imagine, you see, that, uh, you know, of, of them witnessing the ten plagues in Egypt, for example, or the parting of the Red Sea. You know, all the, the fire coming down from heaven, consuming Elijah's sacrifices, and so on and so forth. There's, there were so many Old Testament miracles. You know, that such powerful images must have been very difficult to forget. And, and with these images in their minds, that it would have been made it very hard for them to turn away from God. You know, after seeing these visible proofs of God's power. Well, faith should emerge, isn't it? Uh, should emerge and bear fruit in the lives of all these people. But is it necessarily so? 
that the the you know the show me a miracle and I'll believe kind of view is always true. Sometimes it makes me wonder, see. But we know as as we have studied from the uh, in, in studied the Old Testament for quite a while now that we we know from the Old Testament that in spite of these powerful miracles, Israel, you know, has never been faithful to God. You know, especially in the days of the Exodus. And they were wandering in the wilderness. We know that because the writer that the Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, verses 7 to 10, tells us this, where the scripture says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So the writer here tells us, you see, that during the days of the Exodus, Israel had seen the mighty works of God for 40 years. And yet all this uh, powerful display of God's uh, might had not persuaded Israel to obey God. And we know that, in fact, that this was also referred to by Moses uh, towards the end of his, of his life and ministry in Deuteronomy 29, verses 5 and 6. When Moses said to the second generation of Israelites that, he, that came out from Egypt, he said this, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have drunk wine or similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. What Moses was basically saying here is that, uh, you know, that uh, it was just not just the miracles that they saw uh, in, in the Exodus, you know, that from Egypt, the Ten Plagues, for example, or the parting of the Red Sea, they, they have been seeing miracles being done for them throughout the 40 years' journey in the wilderness. Where were the miracles? M Moses said that it was God who, was actually, who has miraculously been supplying their daily needs. God has been providing them miraculously every day, 40 years. Just imagine that. You're not talking about you know, uh, a miracle that the last saw 10 years ago or, or, or 5 years ago, it was, they, they, they have been seeing miracles on a daily basis because why Moses said, well, you have not eaten bread nor drunk wine or, or similar drink. In other words, what Moses was saying that, remember in the wilderness days, you were wandering in the desert, there was, there was no, there was no, uh, you know, uh, farms, grounds for you to, to till your ground to farm, that you did not plant food so that you can eat. There was, there was no, uh, you know, produce of fruits that you can drink from, no water that you drink, except for the fact that God has supplied this to you miraculously for 40 years, which the writer of the Hebrews confirmed that, that they have seen the work of God for 40 years. And yet, Israel did not believe in the Lord to obey Him. Now, this is not the, this is not the only case that we have seen in the Bible, in the New Testament as well. If you remember the raising of Lazarus by Jesus in, in John 12, uh, the, the, where the scripture tells us basically that, you know, that after Lazarus was raised from the dead, the, the, there were a lot of Jews who believed when they, when they, when they saw or they heard about the, res, the, the raising of Lazarus because that was the sign of the Messiah. So, but not everybody believed that. The chief priests, those who were the enemies of Jesus, did not believe it. Or rather, not did not believe, but rather they did not accept it. You know, when if you remember that when Jesus uh, entered Jerusalem, the crowd who who knew about the raising of Lazarus hailed him as their king. And we know from the scriptures that the Pharisees and the chief priests were very upset. 
uh, with, with what the crowd were doing uh, to Jesus at you know at the at the entrance of Jerusalem, and they continued to persist in the refusal to accept that Jesus was the Messiah. But well, but what happened after that? The next day, this amazing impression of the raising of Lazarus uh, did not really last very long, because the next day or so, they, the same crowd shouted, "Crucify him! Crucify him!" But that's not the end. In Acts 4 as well, that after the, the Pentecost uh, experience uh, in Acts 4, we know that uh, the Apostles John and Peter has raised this poor beggar at, this, at the beautiful gate in Jerusalem. You know, when, 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 the, when the people saw that in, in Acts 4.16, uh, it's basically that uh, the, 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 the chief priests, in fact, that the opponents of Christ and the Apostles, they, 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 they acknowledged that that was a miraculous uh, healing. Because in verse 16 of Acts 4, they say that a notable miracle had been done through them is evident to all who, who dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. So what it says to us is that the, the chief priests actually acknowledged that this was a miracle. They could not deny the fact of the miracle itself. Yet we know that they did not accept the evidence that Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah. So that prompted me to ask, you see, why is it that the miraculous display of God's power has not actually generated and maintained faith in many people who saw that in biblical times? Well, I think that the answer is uh, quite simple. It is because that miracles in biblical times were designed by God as signs. Signs. Yeah. Uh, signs, the word signs, come from the Greek word simeon, uh, you know, which basically what it means is a sign is like a poster board that we know like road signs today, uh, direction signs that we see in buildings. And that's what it is. Miracles were signs. They were poster boards with an arrow pointing to God in biblical times. Zohites, the, the Greek scholar, tells us that Simeon refers to, as I quote is in your notes as well, the finger marks of God. If you note that what he said here, he, he said that valuable, not so much for what they are, yeah, valuable not so much for what they are as for what they indicate of the grace and power of the doer. So what this means is basically that those who have seen the miracles, which is which are signs or which were signs, you know, they they, they, they were looking at the signs and they were impressed by the signs instead of the God who was behind the signs. You see? So they were focusing on the miracles, but not on the on the altar of the miracles. Who was God behind it? And the the reason why I think that the faithful men and women of God in the in, in biblical times, especially in the Old Testament, that how they have actually maintained their faith in the Lord is because their their focus has never have never been on the signs and wonders, but on the God. But on the God, who has performed them. You know, so their faith were regardless of the signs and wonders. They, that the you know the the Israelites uh, the Israelite saints uh, uh, in Old Testament times they believe in God because of what they have learned from the law of Moses they remember that every every Israelite person had been taught Moses law the scriptures about the days in you know, of of Israel coming out from Egypt they learned it and they believe it since their youth in the God who has brought them out of Egypt. That was where they maintained their faith from. They did not have to see the signs in order to maintain faith. They knew what the scriptures say. 
and they knew the God who was behind the signs and they, they believed and they were faithful to the, to the God who has led Israel out of Egypt. Signs were irrelevant to them. And Jesus, in fact, uh, agrees with this observation in John 20, uh, in John 20, 29 to 31, where the scripture tells us this. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Uh, this context, as we know, that it was uh, relates to doubting Thomas, as we call him. Thomas uh, refused to believe that Jesus was risen from the dead until he saw Jesus physically uh, and examined the evidence of, uh, of, the, of the crucifixion in order to satisfy himself that Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. But Jesus' response to him, to Thomas, was that he said, Well, you believe your faith in me is because of what you have seen. But he said that, but those who have not seen me personally, nor the signs that uh, I have done, and yet believe because of the apostles' testimony of the resurrected Christ, or, you know, those who, whom John said here in, in, in John 20, 30 and 31, that those signs that John has recorded for us, and have believed, these signs as they were written to as they have been written down for us we are blessed and we can be blessed as well so in other words that you know that we, we don't really need to see miracles today nor ever in fact uh, to to actually to have faith because we have the written uh, word of God for us and when we read of that we can believe in it without seeing it I think that this is one of the reasons why that a biblical faith, as we shall see very shortly, that biblical faith does not really require the actual seeing of signs and wonders. The reason is because remember they are signs. The signs points the the signs point to God, which is the focus of faith. The focus of faith is not on the seen, but on the unseen. And we we know that basically that even that Peter talks about in First Peter one verse eight verses eight to nine, in First Peter one. Uh, verse 8 and 9 says this Peter said that whom you whom having not seen you love though you now do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible with full and full glory full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls so Peter here was writing to the readers who who would shortly be severely tested by persecutions because of their faith in the Lord Jesus so he exhorted them in, in, the, in the chapter itself to be, to be firm and faithful. And he said that, well, if you were to keep your faith in the Lord, you will be saved at the end. You will see salvation at the end. Even though that you may not have seen the Lord Jesus himself in person. The reason is simply because their faith was not based on their physical sight, but because they believed in the testimony of the apostles concerning the Lord Jesus. They knew it from the, the teachings. They didn't see it in person. So these are the ones, you see, that who have not seen and yet believe, whom Jesus said that they would be blessed as well. So this is the kind of faith that will endure, in fact, over life's difficult times. You know, not, not from what, what, what they have seen in, in terms of the miracles and signs. It's the faith, that, in, the faith that sees the unseen. And as one writer says that, faith is not walking by sight, but by insight. You know, faith is that insight of knowing who God is and what He has done that leads to the confidence in one 
that God's promise will certainly come to pass. Now, the writer to, uh, to the Hebrews, again, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 1, describes faith for us. Where the writer says in Hebrews 11, 1, he said that faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So here that what the writer is telling us is that true biblical faith that will endure the test of times and circumstances of life consists of two elements, substance and evidence. What does it mean by substance and evidence? The word substance is from this Greek word there, hypostasis, uh, which is a compound two-part two word. Hupo means under, stasis means stand. So the word literally means a standing or setting under. So in, in simple terms, I've, I've done a very simple uh, you know, uh, picture there for you of a building and the foundation. The foundation is that substance that you're talking about. So this word refers to a support. It refers to something that is a foundation or something that provides confidence and the steadiness you know, upon which it's built on. That's why like a building, for example, the building must have in the Greek word here, the substance, which is the foundation. You see? A rock-solid foundation to build on. That's why the word means a standing or a setting under. Something that stands on something that is solid as a foundation. So the Greek scholars Moulton and Milligan tells us that the word substance is actually from this Greek word, which could also refer to a title deed. And this is lawyer's term they're talking about. The, the lawyers in, 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 in those days, they, they use this word to refer to the title deed. We know, for those of us who have properties, we know what a title deed is. Or if you rent a, a place, the tenancy agreement is that, that, that the kind of security that you have. The security of tenure that, that, that provides proof that you could stay there. Or that if you own, that, own the property, the title deed proves the ownership you see, on, onto a property or land. And that's what it is. So it shows basically that, uh, you know, that the one who possessed the title deed will have the confidence, you know, that whatever that he has in his hands or the ground that he's standing on is something of the real deal as opposed to imaginary or fake. So faith is that title deed, that foundation, that confidence, that substance, you see, of hope. And that's why that the, the has, it has been said that biblical faith is not rooted in something that's imaginary. Bible, Bible faith is not based on fairy tales, but it is based on the rock-solid certainty foundation of the things that we hope for. That's what the writer is saying. Now faith is the substance, that foundation, the title deed of things hoped for. And then the second element is evidence. Uh, the word evidence basically uh, is in the things not seen, as the, as the writer of Hebrews 11 one tells us. So the word evidence comes from this Greek word alexios, uh, and, and the word it has a root. It comes from the root word, which, which literally means to bring to light, to expose, to convict. For example, in John three verse twenty, the word has been used here, where John John three twenty says, "For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed." That's the Greek word, exposed. So what it means is this that. Our faith source, the source of our faith, is due to the result of the unseen God being exposed or revealed to us. You see? So that is the exposure of the things not seen. As Hebrews 11, if you want to translate that way, it can be translated that way as well. 
So when the unseen God is exposed or revealed to us, this is where it leads us to have the inner conviction as to the reality of who God is. You see? And that creates that rock-solid foundation, that title deed of our hope, that it is certain that God is faithful in all things. So it's interesting, isn't it, now how faith is being described. It is the foundation based on the exposure of the unseen God. But how do we see the unseen God if God is unseen, uh, cannot be seen? So Jesus tells us that, that in John 14, verse, verses 7 down to 9, that John 14, 7 says this. Jesus said that, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I not, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So our Lord's words here tell us something about biblical faith. So if we want that exposure of the unseen God, so we, we must know Jesus. Because knowing Jesus is seeing the unseen God. So what it means is this, that in biblical faith terms, to see the unseen God is not a physical sight issue. It's, we're not talking about how, what our eyes see. It is a spiritual one. That is knowing the nature and character of God through Jesus Christ. So that, that's why that Jesus said to his disciples that you know the Father when you see me because I am the reflection of the nature and character of the Father. You see the unseen God through seeing me or in other words knowing me. That was what Jesus was saying. So here, here so this is what we, we, we know, is it? So we have the evidence that convict the resulting conviction of biblical faith when we when we get to know Jesus, we get exposure of the Father or to the Father. You see? That the reality of the Father through Jesus Christ. And this this is where the, the commentator commentator grammatically uh, he tells us with all this word as in Hebrews one, as we just translate that as evidence, electros again. He said it, he said that it is the inner conviction of the heart whereby one knows that God, heaven, hell, sin, and forgiveness are just as real as rocks and trees. Biblical faith fosters this intrinsic certainty. Unquote. So here we are. We have the Bible's description of faith from Hebrews eleven which is someone who knows he has in his hand that spiritual title deed, that substance, to, convict, to convince him of the reality and certainty of God's promises, the things hoped for, because the unseen God has been exposed to him through his word, the, con the evidence of things not seen. So the sheer foundation of biblical faith is not based on what our eyes can see, but on the ability to see the unseen and knowing with certainty that God is real and true to his promises and that is through knowing Jesus. I, I think that this is where that the principle of how, how faith is being developed uh, can be also seen in the lives of the saints of the Old Testament. I think that this is how that they maintain their faith because they knew who God is to them. So a, a writer once said this, uh, I quote that again, it's in your notes that it says, Faith enables us to do what others cannot do. People laugh at these great men and women when they step out by faith. 
but God was with them and enabled them and to, to succeed to his glory. Dr. J. Osborne Sanders put it perfectly. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invis invisible as seen. Unquote. I thought that was, this was a great quote there. So now we know that how the Old Testament saints have kept their faith. You know that they have this title deed of certainty of the things they hope for, which is based on the exposure of the unseen God. You know that 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 they, that that gave them this conviction to maintain their faith for the rest of their lives until they pass from this world. Okay, so that is how they kept their faith. That's the secret. But then, was it easy or was it difficult for them to be faithful in those days? How easy was it or how difficult it was to maintain that? Men like Elijah, how how easy was it that for him to continue to serve as a prophet of God and keep his and keep his faith in the Lord? Well, in fact, the writer to the Hebrews in Hebrews eleven one, the great chapter of faith, actually gives us that uh, insight, which I thought that uh, you know it's good to, to think about this as well. Uh, Hebrews eleven, we we'll look at Hebrews eleven verses thirteen down to sixteen, and then we'll read from thirty nine to, to forty. Verse thirteen says this, concerning the heroes of faith that the uh, Hebrews eleven describes. He's, he 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 writes that he said, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. But having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. And verse 39 continues that it says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So what this writer is telling us, and especially in verse thir verses 13 and 39, these two verses, is that all these saints in the Old Testament, they have died in faith. They died in faith even though that they had not received the promise or the promises. So that's how I was just thinking about this. In, in what sense that have they not received the promises? So there are two ways of understanding this. Firstly, it could mean that they have not received the promise, you know, in the sense that they have not received what God has promised them in their lifetime. Yeah, maybe that the promise was something in the future, like for example, Abraham, he, uh, he talks about you know, he he would have he, uh, his descendants would be like stars in the in in the, in in the, in the sky, numerous. Abraham never lived to see that promise. It could mean that, or it could also mean that they were not recipients of, and hence they did not actually get to hear of the promises of God, which he would make later on. Something that God promised later on. So either that they they had not seen it in their lifetime. Or that they did not know about it because that the promises were made later on of which they were also one of those beneficiaries in other words so but the point is this whether they knew of the promises or not the writer of the hebrews tells us that they all died in faith they all died without knowing or without seeing the fulfillment of all the promises the lord had made to them but they have continued to keep their faith why because they knew who god is it is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
and the writer tells us that their confidence in the Lord have actually in 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 this in this in this uh, verses that Hebrews eleven verse thirteen the second half of verse thirteen that their their confidence in the Lord has actually has, has have actually allowed them to, as the writer says, see afar off were assured of them, embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. The second half of verse thirteen of Hebrews eleven. So this could mean that whether they knew of or that they have not received the promises but they knew that the best has yet to come from God and that they could see this afar off and were assured of God's promises. Why? Because they knew by faith who God is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So this was their title deed of their hope or the foundation of their hope that the best has yet to come from the Lord. Even though they did not know what it was, or that they had not seen His promise coming to pass. How do we know that this was the case with them, that they didn't know or they had not seen the promises coming to pass? The writer of Hebrews, again Hebrews 11 verse 16, tells us that. That in their minds of this great Old Testament saints, that the writer says in verse 16, they desire a better, that is a heavenly country, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. So what the writer tells us is that by faith, these great saints of Old Testament times, so they were so convinced in God, you know, knowing who God is to them, that they were so convinced that there was more to life than their lives on, on the earth. It was not because of what they have seen, but their faith told them. It was because their faith told them that the best was yet to come for them, which would be in the afterlife that God has prepared for them, that is the heavenly country. It's very interesting because that the, you know, the, it, it, this should be very surprising for us, yeah, especially the idea of a heavenly country in Old Testament times, because the Lord in the Old Testament times uh, has said very, very little, if not none, nothing about a heavenly country, heavenly eternal country, as you would call it. Yet the, the, the faith of these Old Testament saints, without that knowledge, could see afar off, as the writer of the Hebrews tells us. They could see afar off. Well, brethren, how far was that they could see? The Bible tells us that they could see by faith that, the, that the, the, the Lord's promises, even in, that goes into the New Testament age, it was through the New Testament that reveals that heavenly country. So that was how far they, they could see. Um, it's amazing, amazing foresight and faith there. I, I've, I've done this uh, simple diagram that, that shows that faith, as you can see on your notes, faith is the believing the best was yet to come from God. That was what the Old Testament saints had. When you look at Old Testament saints on the right, on the left side of, of, of the of the diagram, they they were they were promises made, which they either did not know, or that they had not received in their lifetime. So that was that could have presented a a war. You know, for them, but they look over it, and they have seen afar off and were assured of the heavenly country, even though they may not know, but they were convinced from that. This was how tremendous this. Old Testament saints were as far as their faith were concerned in that they, they would not let the obstacle of not knowing or not receiving God's promises in their lifetime hinder their belief in God. 
hindered their conviction that the best was yet to come, that there will be a heavenly country ready for them when the Lord prepared for them. It didn't matter to them whether they knew what the future would hold for them, because they knew who God is, and they were confident that God would deliver the best for them, even if this deliverance would be centuries later after their time. So brethren, it was just not just how far, but also how far over their faith that they could see. That no obstacles would shake their confidence, that foundation of faith, because they were so assured of it. This is amazing. This is really amazing stuff that the, you know, the, the, the writer of the Hebrews provides for us that, uh, concerning the faith of these Old Testament saints. That was how far they are and how far over they, they could see by faith. And where the writer continues in Hebrews 11 verse 40, where he said that God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So the writer was saying that what these Old Testament saints were not able to see or know, we today have been privileged to be provided by God to see all these things and to know all these things. So that the faith of these Old Testament saints would not be disappointed you know, if they would know about this, they about the entrance into this heavenly country, it would have so brought them so much joy. They did, but they didn't know, is it? Yet they believe, because they knew who God is to them. And we know this from the New Testament of the heaven of the heavenly country when Jesus told his disciples in John fourteen verses verses one to four, where Jesus said that, "Let not your heart be troubled." You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So although Jesus was speaking to the apostles here, as we know the context is up, but the principle, the principle of seeing heaven one day remains applicable for us today. Jesus tells us of this heavenly country, which he called my father's house, with many mansions. Basically what Jesus is saying that, well, this, this heavenly country is just right before our eyes by faith. It's just right before us by faith. And we are just one step away from getting there. But when we look at the Old Testament saints, they did, they did not even know of this. Yet they believed in God's heavenly country for them. The best is yet to come. Yet they believed that. So on the second diagram that I have done, this is how it looks like for us today, as opposed to the one that you, we have seen concerning the faith of the Old Testament saints. So for us, faith is what? It's believing in the God who has already delivered the best, which we have seen. You know, Old, Old Testament. In terms of the Messiah, we, we, we are not looking forward, we're looking backwards in the scriptures. We have seen the best being delivered by God in the Messiah, Jesus. So the church is in a, in a great position, you see. And from the, the, the best deliverance of the Messiah, we know of the promise of the heavenly country is right before us, one step away. So this is how we see by faith, brethren, as compared to the saints in Old Testament times. 
So do you know what this comparison between our faith and that of the Old Testament saints means? Do you know what it means? So it means this. It means that we are just we are not just very near to this heavenly country promised by God to the Old Testament saints by faith. Okay? Which is which finds its revelation in the New Testament. We are also looking at a God who has revealed himself fully to us and shown us his proven track record in delivering the best gift of the Messiah Jesus. This is where we are. While the Old Testament saints were only looking at a God whom they were convinced that they would receive the best from Him, even though they may not know what it would be. So that's the vast difference between us and them. So the Old Testament saints really have had very clear vision of life, you know, in spite of living in the spiritual dark ages. It's very interesting, you know, that, and they, they did not even let the unknown, which is the heavenly country, or the still-to-be-fulfilled promises of God, become a wall to block, you know, their confidence in God. You know, they, they, these things that they did not know, this, those things that, that have not been fulfilled, did not hinder their faith and their conviction in God. Well, the, this, this, the writer gives us an example, a great example of Moses in Hebrews 11 as to how this principle of the Old Testament saints faith applied. So in Hebrews 11, 24 to 27, the writer says this, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he, for he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses' faith in the law is so amazing, see, basically as the writer tells us, that he, he refused to let the glitz and glamour of the luxuries of Egypt prevent him from seeing him who is invisible, from whom he knew that the best was yet to come. That's God. And it was for this reason that, that Moses' faith had enabled him to even look beyond all the reproaches and sufferings uh, for God that he, 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 would, uh, he would have to endure. And he looked on to the reward from God. That was how far and how far over Moses was able to see. And that was, this is the kind of faith that kept Moses right to the end. And, and, and Warren Wiersbe, the, 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 uh, said concerning Moses' faith, I, I like the, the, the quotation here, um, where he said that, um, Wiersbe said this, As Dr. Vance Hedner said, Moses chose the imperishable, saw the invisible, and did the impossible. I thought that was a great quote uh, you know, that sums up the faith of Moses as well as the saints, uh, the faith of the saints of Old Testament times. The renowned Bible scholar F.F. Bruce also said this concerning faith, where he said this, I quote, it's in your notes again, it says, Physical eyesight produces conviction or evidence of visible things. Faith is the organ which enables people, like Moses in Hebrews 11, 27, to see the invisible order. Well, this, this is a great quote there as well, two, two great quotes concerning the faith of the Old Testament saints. So now we know, you see, that it was never easy for Old Testament saints to, re to, to remain faithful. 
Well, it's because they, they, they had a lot more obstacles in their way by means of those things that which they did not know, which God has revealed to us today. Or that the, the promises they, 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 they knew about but had not been fulfilled. So their journey of faith in Old Testament times were paved with greater darkness as to their future and understanding. And hence that they, they must dig even deeper, you know, in their faith in God to root their faith and hope in Him. They, 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 they had to dig so deep in believing that God is and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews 11.6 It was this deep faith in God that has taken all these heroes of faith that Hebrews 11 talks about through their lives in, in spite of not knowing about their future except to be persuaded in their minds and hearts that the best was yet to come in God because of who God is to them. You know, what an amazing host of faith, amazing host of faithful saints of old that we can learn from, you know, and to realize our blessed spiritual place in Christ. Yeah, you might ask me, okay, fine, that we, we know what faith is, that we, we, we've seen the comparison, uh, you know, and we've seen that, uh, well, it was not easy for those saints of Old Testament times like Elijah to be faithful all their lives. But what was the point of this? What's the point of this, Sonny? Um, my purpose here is to impress upon our mind today, you know, that bear this in mind, okay, that we are actually on the side of the biblical timeline where God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, which in fact the Old Testament saints did not have. So what it means is it was very hard, I mean, basically if you, if you think about this, you know that it is it is very hard work, isn't it, uh, to 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 work on something that if you do not know much about it, it is it's a general truth. If you don't know much about certain things and you have to work with it, uh, you know that it is very difficult. Yes, with the Old Testament saints, yes, God has revealed Himself to them in in those days. But there was still a lot of important spiritual truths that they didn't know, or they have been promised but not seen its fulfillment. You see, we know that Moses' law focused on a lot of the physical aspects of life for Israel, along with some great moral and spiritual principles as well, we know that. But very little had been said about what is on the other side of life to this, to this Old Testament saints. We know a lot about it in, 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 in through the New Testament, but those poor saints of old didn't know a lot of that. And in fact, what, knowing what is on the other side of of eternity is in fact the most important matters for everyone you see because that knowing the other side of eternity is what that gives us meaning and purpose to living and reasons for our struggles in our daily life isn't it if you don't know what's on the other end you know that you'll be thinking that what's the point of me struggling and living but if you know it it gives you meaning and purpose for it and gives you the strength to struggle and that's why that Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, He said that the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's why Jesus said that, well, His coming was to give an insight into abundant life. Not just in this life, but the life next, which the Old Testament saints did not know. 
what they did not know in their minds and could not see and hear with their eyes and ears, we have seen that they trusted in God by faith. You know, with deeper faith than what we than than what is required of us today, in fact, because they knew who God is to them. Hence they could see by faith, knowing that even though they did not know what was ahead, they knew that the best was yet to come and that God has prepared the heavenly country for them. Even though they didn't they, they did not know when this was going to happen for them. But for us, we on the other hand, living on the other side of the timeline, we have seen the fulfillment of God's promise in terms of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and in terms of being told about the heavenly country, and that this heavenly country is right before us, and that this heavenly country is not very far from us in Christ. We are so blessed. So but what, what does what what this implies for us is this you see, brethren is that we are not only living in an age of spiritual enlightenment, we are also looking at a God, as I've said earlier, who has already delivered His promises. And hence that we can be assured that God can be trusted to deliver His promise of heaven in Christ for, to us one day. But when we look closely at the faith of the saints of Old Testament times, the writer of the Hebrews tells us, and he has described for us, in fact, from what we have read so far and seen so far, we should be shocked as to how these saints of old could have such deep faith in the Lord even though they did not know a lot of things about the life next. Or that they had not even seen the fulfillment of the promises of God. We should also be shocked because while we have the answers to all these issues pertaining to life and eternity and godliness, we still have brethren complaining about life as if that maintaining their faith in Christ while undergoing some life's issues and trials was such a difficult thing today. We should be shocked by that. Brethren, from what we have seen today, we should have concluded that it should be easier for us to hold our faith in God. Why? Because we already know, we already known and believe in the God who has delivered the ultimate and best delivery as far as matters eternal secure, uh, security is concerned. We believe in a God who has done and delivered the best for us already. In Romans 8, that Paul talks about this in verse 31 and 32, where Paul said, he said that, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So Paul assured us here, see, that since God has already delivered his greatest promise of his of his son, Jesus Christ, there's nothing he could not do in respect of our lesser needs. So, brethren, we have and we hold a very good title deed which is resting on the exposure of God's proven faithfulness to His promises which the Old Testament saints did not have and did not see or did not know. Yet that they had such deep faith in the Lord. And we today, we are complaining how, life, how tough life is and how difficult it is to be faithful. I think that brethren, this should either shame us into repentance or it should encourage us to develop deeper faith in God. 
We have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. But why are we still struggling to keep our faith in God when we are faced with, you know, very insignificant and mundane life daily issues? I think that it is because that we do not realize how privileged we are in Christ. And the church, the church needs to be educated about this great privilege. And the church needs to remember, you know, that we are, we are so blessed and privileged in Christ that, you know, that going through life challenges each day should not, in a sense, uh, trouble us greatly. And Peter tells us this in First Peter 1, uh, verses 10 to 12. When Peter said this, Concerning the Old Testament saints, again, he said that of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that will come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them, it was revealed that, not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the, the, the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. It's, it's a very interesting passage here. You know that Peter, Peter, Peter tells us you know, that not knowing about salvation in fact actually bothered the saints of Old Testament times. They didn't know, but it didn't mean they didn't care. It really bothered them. And Peter said here, isn't it? They were desperately trying to figure out the glories beyond this life. And they were trying to figure out God's promise of the Messiah. But this promise had not been revealed to them, but revealed to us through the Gospel. And Peter said that, well, these, these have actually intrigued and baffled the, the saints of the Old Testament so badly that even angels, even the angels in heaven were hoping to have a glimpse of it. They were looking and looking and looking, but it was not open to them. Instead, we have been shown God's complete will of the Messiah. We have sh been shown heaven's open doors by Jesus and the apostles. Brethren, we are so privileged to be living in this age. And brethren, we ought to give thanks to God daily for blessing us in such a great way. The New Testament has revealed to us that the kind of faith these Old Testament saints had was that of a very long-term vision of what God could do for them. They did not complain about how difficult it was for them to be faithful or that they didn't know about things. They didn't complain about it. I think this is why the Hebrews 11 was written to honor such great men and women of faith. Unlike the un enlightened Old Testament saints, brethren, we are the enlightened children of God today. And yet that we worry over short-term issues and we moan and groan each day as if the remaining faithful to God is such a great challenge. This should never be the case, brethren, because the Lord has blessed us with such great privilege to be able to see by faith that heavenly country is just right before us. As I wrap up here and end this sermon, uh, I, just want, oh, I just want to say something and, and give you this quote from the late Dr. F. B. Mayer, uh, who was a, a Greek scholar there. You know, concerning biblical faith. This is what Mayer says, uh, I quote. He said, There seem to be three necessary preliminaries in order to faith. First, one must take an engagement, must uh, make an engagement or promise. 
Second, there must be good reason for believing in the integrity and sufficiency of the proper person by whom the engagement has been made. Third, there follows a comfortable assurance that it will be even so. In fact, the believer is able to count on the object promise as being no less sure than if it had already come into actual possession. So what they are basically saying is this, you know, and when you look at biblical faith and look at the, you know, that for us today, as far as Bible faith is concerned, standing on this side of God's plan of redemption with full enlightenment, you know, we have all the necessary preliminaries to faith as Dr. May has highlighted here. We, we know of the one who made the engagement or the promise with God. And we know that, that, that we can believe in the integrity and sufficient of, sufficiency of God who's made this engagement. And we can be co comfortable and comfortably assured and, you know, that uh, God is going to deliver it as if that we already have it. Because we have seen, we look back, we have seen his fulfillment of his promises at which you know, establish his integrity and, and trustworthiness. Yet, some brethren will still mourn and groan and complain each day as if God could not be trusted to help them. Brethren, we have learned today, it was not easy to live in the age of the Old Testament and be faithful in those days. As compared to us today, we have it easy, brethren. We have it easy as the Hebrews writer, Hebrews writer said, because the God has provided us with the better things of life, which the Old Testament saints lack. So let us therefore learn to be grateful for the great privilege we have in Christ and keep growing spiritually by, in, in, in our faith by regularly learning God's word and know Jesus and know him who has delivered all that he has promised in his word. By so doing, brethren, the church will become stronger and we will have more brethren with deep faith in Christ, who will, in spite of all the difficulties, count it all joy. Let us thank God that we do not have to be like the Old Testament saints, the need to see a far off world to be assured of them. The promise of, heavenly, of the heavenly country is right before, our, before us, with the assurance of entry therein by the God who has proved himself to be faithful to all his promises. Mm -hmm. Our faith is the title deed of hope, which is based on the exposure of the unseen God in Jesus Christ and by His resurrection from the dead, with the real hope of a heavenly country for all the faithful one day. Brethren, as I end here, we know God can be trusted at all times. Let us live on this confidence each day. All the saints like Elisha have died in faith so that by their examples, we can be grateful for our privilege and live by faith. Thank you.